Hello, High Point. Good evening. I uh, hate to tell you I'm not in my own backyard. I'm down in Galveston. We ran down here, so I'm officing out of a beach house. But I want to be with you guys here tonight, and please let me know that you're here, uh, even though I'm not here. Well, I'm, I'm on the broadcast, but I'm not in McKinney. But let me know that, that you're here because it's always comforting to know who it is that we're talking to and who's wrestling with us through uh, some of these scriptures and some of the things that uh, on how to listen to the scriptures. But I appreciate you guys coming tonight. And once again, if you have any questions or comments, uh, it's better to prematurely throw a question up than it is to uh, put it on late because sometimes I'm getting some uh questions after the broadcast is over so if you have it early uh go ahead and put up what your question is and uh, i'll try to answer that hello linda robertson looks like it's just me and you tonight okay the pierces are here too glad uh don and joe are here with us so we're glad you guys are here uh looks like we've got lynn belknap it's, is here awesome Say hello to David for me. Give him a big hug. And there's Sandra. Good to have you back. Okay. She said, send directions to the beach house, please. Absolutely. So we're having a good time. Although we did get kind of rained out last night. Had a pretty big storm. So, uh, but we're here. Hello, Tim and Nancy. Glad to have the whites with us. And the Middlebrooks. All right. Hello from beach time. Awesome. So... If you haven't gotten this, please go ahead and pick up this book on Searching for the Pattern by John Mark Hicks. It's a, it's a great book. Hello, Don and Harriet. Glad you guys are here. So uh, we have been discussing over the past three or four weeks kind of how we grew up reading scripture and is that the best way? So hello, Canterbury's and hello, Milsteads. Glad you guys are here. So unfortunately, we've got the ice cream truck coming through, so I may have to move inside in just a minute, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, so hello, Bakers, glad to have you guys as well. So we've been talking about this kind of uh, patternistic way of looking at scripture and how that we started off as a unity movement, trying to do our best to get back to what was uh, of first importance and trying to be unified as Jesus asked us to be. But the problem comes in that in stripping away all creeds and just getting back to scripture, you still have to figure out how are we going to read scripture and how can we be unified so that the message of Jesus can get out if we can't, uh, we can't figure out how to read scripture in a way that we can remain as brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. So it looks like we got Jim and Amy Nord, glad to have you. And Clarice Hickman, glad to have you. And, and the Paula Austin and Brenda Dulock and Randy Abshire. Oh, and there's uh, Jeff and Stacy. And okay, and John Allen and Talia are here. Good to have you. And Linda and Gary Harden. Okay, so we're going to bring Lynn on much face to because i've been getting a lot of feedback that this has been beneficial uh to not just have me droning on and on hello wilma good to have you uh but for us to kind of 
go back and forth and have more of a conversation instead of as a monologue. All right. Hello, Holly Gardner, and hello, Evansburger. It's glad you guys are here. So let's bring Lynn on, and we're going to talk just a little bit more with him and get his take on some things. Good evening, Lynn. Good evening. How's everybody? And it was raining in Houston, too. We just got back from MD Anderson, so. <laughs> okay. All went well there. Hello, Barb. Glad y'all are here. And Norma, Joe, Simmons, Nichols. And the Cantwells, glad to have you all. So, Lynn, we've been talking a little bit about this uh, patternistic of, approach of, of trying to read, in particular, Paul's letters and uh, and Peter and, and John, and basically everything from Acts on, to say how can we look at this through a lens of let's get this right, uh, because we know in the First Testament that God laid out very specific plans. Uh, and a pattern for his people to follow. And certainly uh, God is trying to do the same thing in the New Testament. So let's let's just do that. Let's find this pattern. But yet we kind of struggle with some things. And one of the things that uh, is pretty interesting to think about is, is Paul is writing these letters and what is he using as his pattern? What What is it that Paul is going after if, if Paul has a frame of reference for writing to Christians, he's, he understands uh, and has had this Damascus road to Damascus experience, but now he's trying to help these churches live into the story, but yet he didn't have the first Testament to do that. So obviously we have the, the power of the Holy spirit, but what was Paul's frame of reference? Cause several times he mentioned scripture as a basis. So what's Paul talking about? Well, if you look at uh, any of the apostles, uh, they, since they, in some cases, were writing the scriptures, Paul was writing the scriptures, Peter was writing the scriptures, John was writing the scriptures. So uh, obviously they weren't quoting themselves. Certainly they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So they had to go with the scriptures that they had. And the only right. scriptures they had at that time was the Old Testament. So as Paul is writing about how we can be transformed into a new life that's that's in uh, romans etc as he's writing all of those things he's referring back constantly to what the old testament said about christ actually about the creation and sure. the fall and the the redemption that was going to come through christ he continually refers to that that story in some sense, and if you look at the, you know, if you're looking at this um, as a, a manual of how to, okay, how do how do I get to heaven? Where are the steps I get to heaven? If you go back to the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, he says it's not going to be that way. There is going to be a time when I'm going to write this on their hearts. And it will not be like the old covenant. And so Paul right. is using the scriptures to tell this how redemption, how the creation that was fallen is going to be made a new creation, including us. Yeah. And so we talked about that on Sunday about how uh, we're called to live into this new creation instead of living under the, uh, the, the world of the fall. 
but you know, Paul is is talking about you know that the law has been fulfilled, and and that the law was pointing towards something, and is pointing towards a new Adam and a new creation. But you also have all of the the prophets, and so uh, for us just to look at Acts through Revelation and say let's take these in a vacuum without laying them on top of the foundation of the first testament and certainly the uh the incarnation of god in jesus uh i i just think that we're missing so much of what paul intended and if if you even look at at him talking with young timothy he's like timothy you've been raised <laughs> with these scriptures and they you have everything you need with the story of Jesus and this passage. Any thoughts on that? Well, if you look at the, what, what God is trying to tell us through Paul, Paul is going back and saying, look, if you want to know how to relate to God, he has told you how to relate to God in two different ways. The first is the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures that are poetry, their history, their their law, their their combination of all things. But as a combination of those things, they're telling this story of how we are to be transformed and how there is a Messiah who is going to redeem us. So if you want to know the end of that 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 part of that story, it's not in the writings of Paul, except it as how he refers to it, you have to go back and read the story of Jesus himself that's written in the Gospels, you know, and John in particular, you know, as he is relating things, he is really relating how God redeemed us by sending his son and that the heart of things is, is that his love for us because God is love, it's not just God emanates love, he is love, and so he came down in the form of Jesus, and if you want to know how to be, to, to live, and if you know what kind of pattern of life to, you should have, you should look at the pattern of life of Christ himself. That's where the pattern is. Right. It is not a, you know, how to fix the carburetor. It's... Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, it's it's not up here. It, it's from here, how the, the gospel message hits us. You know, one of the things that John Mark Hicks talks about is uh, the story in Luke 15 that we're all familiar with, the story of, of the prodigal son. And I, I have to tell you that, uh, you know, growing up, I, I tried to color inside the lines and try to do things right. And, you know, I had friends that, that, that kind of... Uh, well, it didn't follow the pattern, so to speak. And I, I kind of related with the older brother sometimes. And, you know, John Mark is, is talking about how the, that if, if all we're trying to do is just get things right and to be right, uh, a lot of times we can miss the, the heart of God. Well, in that, in that particular story, if you were following what the rules would have said, the rules would have said, kick this guy out. You know, he, yeah. he's done everything wrong. He, he's not done everything 
that that the father said he shouldn't do and the, the other person has done things right if you're going to look at uh, how to do things right in that story you don't look at the prodigal son the guy who did things right was the older brother but unfortunately he missed the heart of the father because the heart of the father was the love for his son and because of that then he missed the heart of why he should be doing things right not just to get the inheritance but to emulate the kind of love that his father had for all of his children including the ones that went astray okay so, so the heart uh, and that, that goes back to jeremiah 31 what i said you know right. these things are going to be written on your heart they're not going to be written on on stones and tablets of stones that say do one two three four five and you're going to be yep. fine so let me greet a few folks uh larry and jerry seal glad to have you guys i'm glad you're on board and karen perry good to have you back and hello connors so if you guys have any questions or comments go ahead and get them in now so that uh hopefully we can address them uh during our time tonight so Lynn, I, I've been having a lot of, of offline conversations with folks and there is a lot of trepidation and the trepidation goes like this, that we maybe we understand that the blueprint hermeneutic of trying to look at scriptures and get it right and make sure we're right and others are wrong. Uh, it, we're, we're, we're convinced of that, that, uh, that that's not, um going to lead to the unity that we see and we we see some of the pain that's come through that but it's almost like a trapeze artist that it is swinging and it's hard to let go of that one handle until you know what the next handle is that, that you're going to grab uh danny before you respond to that Danny delar says jesus way of uh ministering brought people to him why did our reading of scripture separate us from others? So once you hit that, and then we'll go on to the trapeze comment. Well, the reading of scripture separated us from others in that we were viewing the, you know, um, I'm reading N.T. Wright's book on uh, the, basically the story of the New Testament, Christ in his times. And one of the things he says in there is that, if you read the New Testament as a car manual, it tells you all the bolts and pieces that are there. And so when something goes wrong, you go to that car manual and you, you, you take step one, two, three, four, five, and you fix it. And you feel really good about that. Well, when we, when we read the New Testament that way, unfortunately, we have to make too many decisions to figure out what the steps one through five are for reading it that way. And so uh -huh. that means we read it and say, you got to do this, and somebody else has to read it and says, you got to do something else. That automatically creates division. And we right. go even further than right. that. Our, our language, our language in our restoration movement, our faith group, kind of betrays us. When you meet right. somebody and you are asking about the religion, what do you say? Are you a member of the church? You don't say, are you a Christian? Right. 
Well, yeah. Daniel, that's a separation question right there. When you say, yeah. are you a member of the church? That's saying there's one church and I know what it the is. And I remember right. that one. And you may not. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, uh, so obviously it separates us, uh, but yeah, Jesus way of doing things brought people to him and he wanted to keep them all unified. Uh, and so that's what we're after as, as well. So, Dan, that's, that's a great question. Uh, okay, it looks like the Isaacs are here, but they're being uh, piped in through Brett Baker. So I just hope there's social distancing over at the Baker's house. Okay, uh, Jim Norris said, if reading the New Testament as a pattern to be right with God is not correct, then what is the answer? So I think Jim is tapping into the, Okay, before I let go of this trapeze handle, show me what the one is I'm jumping to. Because I'm, I'm going to hang on to what I know until you tell me what I don't know. So uh, help us kind of transition from making a case that maybe the pattern way of looking at things isn't it. What's the next handle that God wants us to grab a hold of? Okay. I think that's a great question, Jim, and it's a very pertinent question. So if, it, if the New Testament is not a, a rule book or a mechanical thing that you can go and find, here are the steps I have to have to go to heaven, what kind of book is it? It is yep. a book that God has given us that tells us how he has related to his creation, mm -hmm. everything he created, including us, from Genesis right. through, through uh, Christ, and he gives us an insight into the new creation in the heaven. So if he's telling this story, and man in that, that story sinned and needed redemption, then it is a story of redemption. So we need to read the, the whole Bible as, what is that story? What is God's mission? What is God trying to tell us in terms of worshiping him and what his mission is in doing that creation? And how can we be a part of that creation, that renewal and transformation and be like him? That is a totally different way of looking at the scripture. And so when yeah. John Mark, of course, uses uh, and uh, others in uh, Tom Albright, many other scholars use the term then, you're looking for a theological hermeneutic. I, what's that mean? Two big words. <laughs> it means you're looking for a way that you can figure out how God is telling us how we can be like him and be transformed like him. You're reading it to determine how your life can be transformed, both to worship and in mission, in order to be a part of that new creation. And that goes right back to what we were talking about a minute ago. How do we, how do we relate to that? We look at Christ's life. We don't look at Acts 2, uh, 38, we look at Christ's life. Yep. So uh, John Mark talks a lot about how that kind of his watershed moment or the canary in the coal mine that uh, helped him was this idea that his church taught you could only give money to uh, Christians that were in need 
but he didn't see that as being in line with the the heart of Jesus and the story of Israel. And he he goes on and he talks about how uh, that when Paul calls the church at Corinth and, and other Greek churches to give to the poor folks that are undergoing famine in Jerusalem, he, he's not calling them to a pattern that you lay by and store every week uh, to give to the Lord or, you, or, or even in the Old Testament, they tithe. So therefore you need to be tithing. But instead he calls to, has Jesus impacted your life? And if he has, then out of the overflow of your heart, you're going to want to give and do what's right. Can you kind of speak into that a little bit? How that's, it's still giving, but it's giving not out of a pattern or not out of guilt or an expectation, but it's just that you've encountered Jesus so that it changes our heart to want to help others in need. Well, I back up just a little bit on that to get to the to the value part. If you look at what we've done, we said you must give every first day of the week and you must do this every time because you're commanded to do it. Well, if right. we read Second Corinthians, Paul says, I am not commanding you to do this. He explicitly says this is not a command. So we right. don't know for sure whether or not it was done only on the first day of the week for other churches. He no. didn't command them to do it. We don't know. We don't know a lot of things about that giving except this. He says, you need to be, you need to have the heart that the other churches had that gave out of their poverty because they love the, right. the people there. And you give out of the heart, not grudgingly, not because you have to, but cheerfully. Why? Because the pattern then, Jimmy Noy, the pattern is the pattern of Christ being a giving right. savior that he gave of everything of himself, including his life. Well, and, and that's what we talked about in the Ephesians study that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and served them, even with the foot washing and certainly going to the cross. Uh, hello, Larry Miller. Good to have you. And hello, Tara Norris. Uh, Jevin Stacy says, it's a change in language definition. Jesus often references the church, but he's not referring to a building or religion. Good point. I appreciate that. Uh, so it, it uh, is I, a new way. I'd like, to, I'd, like to, I'd like to add to that. Jesus very rarely said anything about the church. He talked about the kingdom more than anything else. The kingdom of God is coming. Yeah, he did say, I've been my church. Right. But the, the, most of his language was kingdom language. Yep. No, I, I agree. And so right after each time Jesus talked about the kingdom, he went out and demonstrated what the kingdom looked like. It was casting out demons. It was loving on uh, poor widows and it was healing those that were sick. So it was an outward demonstration of, Oh good. The kingdom is coming and look what it looks like. 
So Lynn, last week we gave a little bit of a, a teaser in that we talked about the Holy Spirit and how that is crucial for us to not only understand the, how to read scripture, but also the role of the Holy Spirit, that it can't be just confined to helping the authors get that. And then he's, uh, the spirit is retired and he's on the other side of God. And all three of them are looking down and have kind of gotten the world like a magic top and, and cut us loose. Uh, talk about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and how that helps us as Christians live into this gospel message for today. When Jesus uh, was talking to his apostles at the end, right before his crucifixion, he said, you've had me with you, but after this, I'm going to give, send you the Holy Spirit. Now, when we are off quoted scripture, it's Acts 2.38. And mm -hmm. as you look at that Acts 2.38, actually many times in the, uh, the early days of my Christian walk, if you will, not even that that wasn't necessarily even quoted because he says there you're going to what receive the gift of the holy spirit right right and in, and in ephesians he also says that christ gave gifts to men and those can those quite gifts were part of the gifts of the holy spirit so if you look at the way if you're looking at scriptures as uh, this rule book then i was brought up to believe that the only way the spirit worked was through the written scripture but right. well, that is that right. is cutting off and yourself and all others from the work of christ and god in people's lives today how does one people, one person have their eyes open to see? You know, it, they don't necessarily do that by themselves. How do we, how do we uh, get any wisdom of what to do and how to go about it? How do we have prayers answered? Well, saying that God only works through the written word is almost like a deist saying, God created the world, he placed the world, he went out after that, and everything else is up to how you do these steps and this right. step-like pattern. That's cutting off one-third of the Trinity. It's yep. cutting off the work of one-third of the Trinity. And we need a lot more study about the work of the Holy Spirit. I think there was one of the reasons that we've had that mindset is there was a reaction in the churches of christ and some other conservative groups against you know there's there's our restoration uh, movement really tried to restore doctrine but there was restoration movements to try to re restore relationship and then there were right. also right restorations of trying to restore the work of the holy spirit and so this is part of the reaction of uh, we don't want to be like the Pentecostals or you know the the people that that believe that uh, God can uh, have people lay hands on them and create people through that person today. 
Well, that's a different kind of uh, work of the Holy Spirit. But to say the Holy Spirit doesn't work today except through the scriptures is denying the work of God in your life, I think. Well, and w one of the things I, I applaud about uh, James's time uh, when he was uh, serving as the uh, lead minister at High Point is the emphasis that he put on uh, the Spirit's gifting and how that we each have gifts that uh, God continually bestows upon us. And for if, if the Holy Spirit is retired, then we don't have access to those giftings uh, that God gives us to, to benefit and to bless the body. But one of those gifts, yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, just to, to add to that a moment, in Ephesians, if you go on down, uh, looking at uh, in Ephesians, he said those gifts were given, and part of those gifts were uh, specific gifts that he named right there were given to the leadership of the church, evangelists, shepherds, uh, pastor. you know, there were five categories, including teachers. And what he said was, what did the, and Lynn Anderson, I was in a seminar with him uh, this last month. Lynn Anderson, known for his book on, on shepherding, said, you shouldn't be asking, uh, you know, what are the characteristics uh, of uh, potential shepherds? They're, they're, you should ask about character. But he was asked, what should shepherds do? You know where he went? Right to the scripture that says, they are to equip the members to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been given to them for works of service so that we all can be brought to maturity to the glory of Christ. So deny that we don't have spiritual gifts is a, a, and the work, spirit works with us in those, I think is a denial of what the scripture is really trying to teach us. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, we did a little bit of evangelism uh, training with Wilmer, and one of the things that he talked about is, I think a lot of times people are fearful to go out and share their faith, but you know, Wilmer reminded us that when we go, we have the Holy Spirit there and promising uh, to speak on our behalf, and so that's that's really a, a comfort. Sorry, we got like a, a cujo here. <laughs> a guard dog. All right. So, uh, so yeah, the ongoing work of, of, of the spirit is, is crucial, you know, and I, I believe that um, the spirit guides our, our shepherds as they make decisions. Certainly, I, I feel that uh, the spirit leading when I'm, I'm preparing lessons, but also when, you know, we, we speak lessons that, that God works through us and, and God gives us wisdom in, in uh, circumstances. So that it's, it's crucial if we're going to say the pattern is just going to be following Jesus, that that we have to trust in his gift that he's given us, that that spirit is going to help us figure that out, as opposed to just saying we're going to follow a pattern. Any, any final thoughts on that? Well, if you look at the... Uh, uh, continuing the discussion on the gifts and tying it in what you said, uh, I can identify about 18 different gifts that are that are delineated explicitly, everything from administration to prayer to, to giving. You know, in other words, people yeah. have they, totally different ways of serving God. 
Now, yep. that means there is going to be a lot of diversity within the church. Yep. Think about that. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of diversity within the church. Not everybody can teach a, 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 what we would call an evangelistic study like Wilbur uh, is doing. Right. Everybody has to have an answer for the, the, the hope within them, but that's a different kind of thing. Right. And so when we when we restrict Christianity to a strict set of attributes that only we know, we're denying the work of the Holy Spirit. We're denying how God is working in the in the world. I know I don't, you know, because of the connections with with Buck James and with others in, that are overseas, we have people that are having dreams about Christ yep. that are Muslims. Yep. And they are beginning to investigate Christianity because of that. I can't yep. explain that. You know, there is no reason to believe that God is not doing some of the things that he's always done. Absolutely. And to, for us to deny this is denying the power of God. Yeah, and I, I don't want us to, to get too far down a rabbit hole, but, uh, you know, there was a group of guys, uh, couple, four couples that went overseas to Thailand, and they were reaching first-generation Christians uh, in, in a pagan land that had never heard about, uh, they, they were talking, the tribe never heard about Jesus. And what they said is they felt like that there were first-century gifts that were given to them that they had not experienced back in the States, but that were bestowed upon them as a way of confirming the gospel message. And, you know, we, we just have to believe that God is still active. And I, I think in particular in the West, we have tamed the spirit and the spirit's like, I'm here. <laughs> Let me lead your church. Let me lead you. Um, okay. So a couple of more comments. Uh, Okay, John Hildreth is with us. Great. Uh, Larry says, thank you for the grace of God. Absolutely. That's what, what drives us. Uh, Larry also says, every religion believes they are in God's favor. And then we have a question. What does the shepherding responsibility Lynn talk about look like uh, in practical terms? So if the spirit is guiding shepherding, how, how does that manifest itself? Okay, um, how does the shepherding responsibility I talked about, that's, that's equipping members uh, to use their gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we had a long discussion about it with Lynn Anderson and, and as well as some other people from Austin Grad and some in England, several different uh, ministers around the world. And the consensus was elders and I didn't, I didn't understand this when I was an elder so much. Elders have to understand that there has to be a mentoring concept that takes a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with people in order to truly equip them to do their gifts. That probably means that a large congregation, you know, when you have one elder for 50 people or one elder for 100 people, they're going to have to identify other people that can equip people and have mentor have individually mentoring with people to do that. It, it's a totally different 
way of looking at shepherding because it's not just a counseling function. It's right. not just the doctor and pure type function. It's a function of actually uh, training people to use the gifts they have in works of service and in whatever way that that gift is maybe manifest. And uh, certainly since all the gifts are many of them are much different, it's not one size fits, fits all. Yeah, and Lynn, I've, I've also heard that as uh, you know, shepherds uh, performing the task of driving an ambulance, uh, you know, to go help those that have have driven off the road, but they're also putting up guardrails, and so it's a reactive task of helping those in crisis, but also a proactive task of of mentoring and maturing and discipling. Uh, that that helps head some of that off at the pass. Any last comment? I I, I, I personally believe that the, the, the thing that's emphasized is the proactive cast more yep. than the uh, that let's let's keep them out of the ditch kind of yep. cast. Absolutely. Well, Lynn, I appreciate your time tonight. We'll continue next week. Because I think folks really want us to flesh out, uh, if it's not this pattern, what is it? How do we follow Jesus in a way that uh, we can make sure that, in, in particular, not only us as individuals, as a church, we can remain faithful and follow, follow that pattern that we see that uh, it, it, exchanging, looking at scriptures for that, but really looking at Jesus as our pattern that drives us. Uh, so we will pick up that conversation next week and hopefully answer some of your questions and and really deal with some of this to hopefully get us at a place where, where we're looking at things in a whole new light. Lynn, I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Pat. Good night. Everybody Hi. have a great week. All right. Thank you.